Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Get The Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and the deadly boys of What Culture, Michael Hamfler and Michael Sidgwick, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. And gents, that issue today is how WWE's demon became AEW's devil. The catalyst for this was an image you may have seen doing the rounds, it's on the screens in front of us here, uh, of MJF painted up to look like the demon. So was he nearly the demon in WWE, Hamlet? No, oh. not at all. Uh, but he was, in his own words, a literal paint dummy <laughs> for Finn Balor uh, as he was kind of growing into the demon character and they were demonstrating it for the first time. Uh, Finn Balor and WWE, I guess, didn't like weren't sure if the paint job would look right on a dummy. They wanted an actual like human uh, be a wrestler with like similar physique. So MJF stood there, got painted up the hours you assume it takes mm. to do this for Finn Balor to pop his head in the door and say, "Yeah, looks fine." And then that was his whole day. He, uh, he revealed this uh, during an interview in which he was telling the story about how he met John Cena and was having to deal with the half-washed-off demon get up as his first meeting with this big star that he mm. had to make a good impression of. I think he made a dig at Darby Allen because he said he looked half like him as well with the paint running. But that was MJF's, well, his first day, I guess, or one of his first days within WWE, which is now, oddly, the timing of it has folded quite nicely into what we're learning more about what he did with that company as per the big promo he caught on mm. William Regal just last week. Yeah, exactly. It felt appropriate to be talking about this on the eve of Dynamite tonight, of course. Uh, and with, like you say, with all these uh, issues circling around, obviously, MJF challenging for the title at full gear and his history with William Regal, as he alluded to last week. Um, in terms of full gear, Sige, he kind of has to become world champion, doesn't he? Yes, he absolutely does. Um, I don't think that there'll ever be a scenario where John Moxley, like, bores the AEW audience holding that title or he never feels worthy of it. But you certainly don't want to risk such a scenario. And MJF just feels like the ultimate guy in professional wrestling right now, or at least in AEW. Look, I think their run pretty much all year, actually, or certainly since he bought Ring of Honor, post-revolution has been, as I would describe it anyway, uneven. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of different people have a lot of very different complaints with the product right now. If your problem isn't, other women's division still feels very obligatory, even though the quality has um, been more sort of pronounced in recent weeks, then 
I miss Ricky Starks on TV, or I want Miro, or I don't get enough FTR matches. I feel like the floodgates have opened for criticism, in good faith, finally, because the bad faith criticism has existed from day one. But I do genuinely sense that in the atmosphere, more people are willing to hold it to a higher standard. And to a lot of people, they are not maintaining that standard. And yet, beyond that, and I'm not saying that there aren't brilliant moments on Dynamite every single week. Not so much Rampage, but on Dynamite <laughs> every single week. Like the Mox Hangman verbal exchanges before their sadly cursed match. Just as an example of something great usually happens every single week. But the one constant, the one thing that keeps, I think, most fans invested is the future of this MJF character. Mm. Beyond that, we have this never-ending JAS versus Blackpool Combat Club feud that is dragging on far too long for me. You have... Um, a system in which title shots don't feel anywhere near as earned as they used to. The women's division is improving, but it still feels a little bit obligatory. The one thing I think that unifies every fan of AEW is MGF's brilliance, his in-ring brilliance, his promo brilliance, his ability to drop certain details into his promos that people can catch and infer that, oh, that must mean something great's going to happen along this theme next week, and it certainly did in the week leading to that absolutely phenomenal promo exchange between MGF and William Regal. These are a lot of words to say a simple fact. MGF is the guy. It is time to give him the belt, and it is time for him to really be the main event star in AEW. If you're carrying that title, you're instantly received as a bigger star, the guy who's carrying the company on their back, and ultimately... I just think it's his time because there's no one else that's more captivating week to week. He's on incredible form, and he just feels like the time is right for him now. But Michael Hamflit is in alternative fantasy book and scenario, which I think is very interesting um, because it could sort of hint towards a future direction one way or the other for a character that a lot of people think, should he turn face or should he st- mm. turn heel? Well, and it's a credit to both MJF and John Moxley, this specific fantasy book. And it's the idea that, because fundamentally, yes, I agree with everything Sidgwick's saying, MJF, this is, it sometimes feels like the right place, the right time, the right guy. And MJF is all of those things. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking after he, because um, we talked about, well, how is MJF going to cash in the chip for a planned match? That's just not what he would do with this opportunity. But then if you're going to believe him and he's going to say he's going to earn it, finally, he's going to do the one thing he's never done. For that character to mean those words and then lose... And if you remember the first time these two fought, MJF was cheated, as he called it, by, you know, he was cheated out of that title mm-hmm. by John Moxley. You've held on to that for a couple of years, haven't you? Yep. You know, so a long bit. <laughs> to, uh, to, for John Moxley not even to cheat, but for MJF still not to win, I think would take that character off in an even potentially darker direction before he finally sees the light. The babyface turn, I think, is inevitable. Mm. But the best babyface turns are always from the heels that are just super popular because fans are itching to cheer. And that's the case every week now. He His first job when he comes out on television is to turn the cheers into jeers. That's what he has to do with one of the first lines of his promos when he can. So sooner or later, the babyface turn, I, I imagine, will happen anyway. And it's, it's probably in the ether now that it's going to, like the MJF and Tony Khan and whoever else will be working together to decide when and where is going to be the right time for it. But I just love the added dimension of an MJF that for the first time in his life tried to do things the right way and still failed. Mm. Uh, what this character has done with the very tiny indiscretions that have taken place in his life, how he has blown those up, this rejection from William Regal, CM Punk letting him down, 
what he has been able to do with these tiny motivations that all of us in normal life would just be able to brush off. How he rationalizes the sociopathic awful things he does off mm-hmm. the back of these relatively minor like charges against him is incredible. Imagine that one. Imagine the guy, look, I did everything asked of me. Like I gave you two weeks notice. I was the good guy. And where did it get me? I was right all along. I was right about being the bad guy and I have to be even worse than I've ever been. Just exploring that as one last strand of this fabulous, layered, nuanced heel character before you finally pull the trigger on a baby face. And I think it's interesting. All of that said, I do totally get the argument that yeah. now's the time to strap it's him up. It's a difficult tightrope to walk with, with MJF as well, isn't it, Sidge? Because like, he's, like Hamlet alluded to there, he is beloved by the AW audience, but he's still meant to be for the most part, despised, although the more we see of this character and his interactions with Regal and what have you and his motivations, you kind of sympathise with him as well. Yeah, he is oddly relatable. Yeah. Is the absolute rich brat sociopath <laughs> Maxwell Jacob Friedman. We've all experienced failure. We've all experienced people in positions of power deeming us not good enough. We've all been kind of let down by people in our youth that we sort of aspired to or admired in some way. Like there's a lot of relatable elements to MJF's personality. And I think a lot of people are starting to do precisely that with MJF. Like he's going to be an absolute megastar babyface at some point. I don't see any rush as he constantly reminds us he is only 26 years old. He is like 10 years away from reaching what is sort of universally agreed to be the pro wrestler's prime when they're still a great athlete, but they've had all of these years of experience. And imagine MGF developing yet more experience, yet more wealth and knowledge considering he's been so switched on from day one. I'm fascinated in this full gear finish. It can't be as simple because John Moxley will not let it be as simple for the sake of his character as MGF going, oh, you know what? I'm going to try and win it clean this time. Um, I'm going to do it the right way. William Regal spurred me on to do it the right way. I'm going to even set the date in advance at full gear. And Oh, wouldn't you know it? Like 20 minutes, the firm come down and distract the referee. Like that isn't happening. I would find it honestly a little bit deplorable if that happens it's so easy but I expect so much more of these storytellers and that's what MGF brings to Mm. this and that's to bring it back round as to why he needs to be um, belted up basically it's because he always thinks deeply about these kinds of things when he was feuding with the inner circle for example there was always like four five six like alternate paths Mm -hmm. that he might take and we had loads of fun on these podcasts debating as to exactly what would happen next and he just gets Serial storytelling better than anyone else in pro wrestling with the possible exception of the elite and punk. Um, And having that character be the focal point of the company could be the guy who gets an extra three, four decimals on that um, Nielsen rating. Yeah, with with MJF. Decimals. (laughs) Numbers, I Mm. guess. With uh, MJF as well, like his whole thing, even when he returned, obviously, was being the devil within AW. And I will get back to the central point of this in a second. But uh, I get where you're coming from with the whole, oh, I tried and then I have to be Mm -hmm. a real bad version. I feel like that could be sort of condensed to within the match of him just realizing, I mean, I've I've always been the devil. I've told you I'm the devil. I'm going to be the devil in the match. Well, the finish, obviously, is going to be the most hotly debated thing heading into um, full gear now because of what MJF said he's put all the stock in this and what we know of John Moxley is it takes something quite special to beat him or it takes um, unexpected circumstances I guess to beat him as they did with Kenny Omega and Don Callis I think the involvement of William Regal here is so interesting because MJF basically forced William Regal to respect him over the course of that promo and yet at the same time you could easily see him bloodying up William Regal to you know put a finer point on all those words he issued my idea for the finish after that showdown 
was a play on Wardlow passing the diamond ring to CM Punk. Uh, MJF's got the diamond ring loaded up, and his hands on the canvas or whatever, and Regal pulls the ring off, and MJF's giving him the shock look or whatever, and then he slides in the brass knuckles, mm. and he says, I, I actually see who you for who you are. I've made the mistake when you were a 20-year-old. I'm not going to make the same mistake again. My business with the Blackpool Combat Club is concluded, and I'm still a villain. And he like gives MJF, and MJF looks at Regal and sees that as vindication. Oh, I have tried, and I've been vindicated by this guy. Yeah, and he's like he's endorsing me to be the devil. This is not my choice, as it were, you know. And I think that would that be quite a nice compromise of everything they've set mm-hmm. up. And obviously, it would be a nice twist, and it would protect. I know it's an ugly word, but John like protect. Yeah, it's still important that the like John Mox's credibility isn't lost from any of this. So something involving Regal perhaps turning or something that John Moxley couldn't and wouldn't have accounted for, mm. knowing what we know about that character, I think is a way to preserve this, preserve the devil element of the MJF character, where he comes out on the dynamite, him, even if Regal doesn't walk out with him, him being world champion through those means is going to get him a chorus of boos initially. Yeah. You know, that's going to be the first sight of MJF as champion. He's the guy that stole the belt from Moxley. And Moxley, by the way, being the guy that always leaves the belt, like loses the belt to heels through the likes of Omega and Callis and a grand plan or his, his guy, William Regal, turn on him. It's good for that character yeah. too. He's always should be chasing vindication and his next route back to the title. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Well, to bring it back to the central point of this this video, it's a cute title, obviously, yeah. based on the uh, the image of of him as as the demon within 
WWE, even if he was just a paint dummy for the day. Um, but, you know, we, we know about the history. We already knew about the history prior to this promo he cut with, uh, with William Regal, of course, on, on last week's Dynamite. Uh, we knew about that already. Everyone shared the image of him and Samoa Joe, if you want to use that as an example. But we've all seen also maybe the, the footage. I think WWE shared themselves on their uh, channels yeah. of him auditioning for them. Just how much did they drop the ball with with MJF? Because it was personified by uh, by the, William Regal being there and saying, "Well, I thought you needed a few more years." And you look at him and go, "You didn't need anything." But it, it's a massive oversight by WWE, isn't it? They massively dropped it. But the way the wrestling business should work, and thanks to AEW, now again it does, mm. they have the opportunity to pick it back up. And MJF has the opportunity to make a load of money as a result of that. They could have had him all along. And odds are, truthfully, based on tons of evidence, this is not just being snarky and cynical towards the performance center. Based on tons of evidence, lots of what we love about MJF might have been squeezed out of him. Yeah. Might have been, he might have been normalized. They might have seen a like a guy who had great fundamentals, but they wanted to smoothen the edges of those promos. And like what's been so cool about MJF's development within AEW is that initially he was batting back a lot of criticisms about his in-ring, and yet he hardly wrestles. And when he does, they're some of the best matches of the card that they're on. They're in this case, in 2022, they're some of the best matches of the year. So he's got it in his locker. He's just wise about when he releases it. And I don't think you would have had that in WWE. He'd have been, by now, he'd be a wrestler you'd have been watching for five years, wrestling almost every week. He has preserved so much of his specialness not being there to the point where they can, they can absolutely get the benefit of everything MJF's done away from WWE. But now, and this is brilliant, they're going to have to pay out the ass for it. Yeah. That's how all of this should work. That's why every wrestler should be grateful that the landscape is this rather than maybe what it used to be and rather than tough enough audition videos just get, to get a foot in the door. Well, yeah, Sid, you were sort of alluded to this early in terms of criticism of AEW. One thing you can't cr criticise them for is the one of the pillars now officially being, you know, arguably one of the most important people in that company. And as, as Hamlet alluded to there, I can only imagine that the horror that flashed before your eyes when you thought about that version of MJF oh, being put through the PC. Well, that's the thing. I think there's an interesting wider point um, to build to the thing specifically about MJF and WWE dropping the ball on them. There was a quote that just kind of repulsed me a little bit um, when I read it. I think it was in 2020. It wasn't too long ago anyway. And it was Road Dog appearing on After the Bell with Corey Graves. And it was the usual stuff. Um, all the fans are wrong, and I'm going to tell them why they're wrong. And they were talking um, about um, scripted promos and why we script promos. Now fans hate scripted promos and how the scripted promo model coincided with WWE's decline in popularity. And Road Dog's quote was, we can't just give someone a live mic. Um, they might turn out to be a wild card and we don't trust you yet. And I think that concept of trust in WWE is kind of ridiculous and very, very outmoded and, allowed, and it allows... Um, and MGF to slip through their fingers. People have to be a certain age. They can't just ordinarily just debut on the main roster at 19 as a sensation. That is simply not how they book anymore because this um, concept of trust is so baked in to the company's DNA. And what I mean by that is, for example, Dolph Ziggler was over in 2013, right? Really, really really over. He won the World Heavyweight title, which was ostensibly how the old WWF Intercontinental title functioned at the time, but was still a decent show of faith in the man. And then he didn't immediately become a megastar, and then they just curtailed his push, and he never once got back to that level. Fast forward to 2019 and 2020, when people 
with all due respect, he's still great in the ring. And I think there'll be a reappraisal of his career once he's not in it all of the time, which he feels like he is, Dolph Ziggler. But he wasn't over. He wasn't relevant. No one was campaigning for him to be a champion like they were, like, what, six, seven years before that fact? But the difference is that WWE trusted him to have world title programs that, quite frankly, will never be remembered or people weren't interested in with the likes of Kofi Kingston and Drew McIntyre because they trusted him. He'd established himself as someone who could take the ball, work a very safe, long match, and just not embarrass the company, do what they say, and just be a team player, all the rest of it. Why did it take them that long? Mm. Why did it take them that long? They ritually put people in the performance center and on NXT for far longer than they need to be. Someone like Nathan Fraser. I was about to mention him, yeah. Someone like Nathan Fraser could genuinely, I don't think he's there as a character yet, but it's fun to watch. Mm. That ironic quest for perfection just does not work as a system. And I know this is only tangential to the main topic, but I think it's worth considering. Nathan Fraser, right? Imagine watching him become a promo. You'd feel connected to him. You'd feel like he was your guy. You'd feel like you were on the, the ground floor for his push, much like you were at Darby Allen or an MJF. And yet he's not the best of promos, but if you put him in the ring on Raw for 15 minutes with Seth Rollins or someone, mm -hmm. Seth Rollins because of the history, but you can build to that, but yeah. regardless, 15 minutes or even 10, he'd blow your tits off. He'd absolutely blow your mind and he'd have an overnight sensation Wrestling should have overnight sensations. It's, it's such a strange concept that they've abandoned. Make your fans go absolutely mental for someone overnight. Well, I was going to mention Fraser, actually, yeah, because he's the sort of open admittance for me that WWE's decision-making was wrong. Like, you look at MJF and you go, you've got all these f fundamentals. You've got, you know, you, and most importantly, you're one of the best talkers in the you know, but, um But unfortunately, you don't, you know... So it's like saying, oh, you're not tall enough to ride this ride. You're not old enough to be a part of WWE, so we're going to get rid of you. And yet, with Fraser, they went, bloody hell, he's mint. Mm -hmm. We can't let AW have him, regardless of what our age but then is. what happened? He went uh, NXT UK. I think there might have yeah. been visa issues, but that's certainly not an excuse anymore. He's in the US, mm -hmm. and he's on NXT. Now, will that Hamflet talk in a second? <laughs> but ultimately, we've made this point several times over. The 18 to 49 demo skews closer to 49 than it does 18. Professional wrestling in general, and this pertains to both AEW and WWE, badly need younger viewers for its uh, to safeguard its future. Mm -hmm. And they are leaning heavily and skewing more heavily towards the 49 than the 18. If you put a Fraser in there, learning the lessons you made through dropping the ball with MGF, who can get ratings out the ass by AEW standards as a 26-year-old, there are lessons to be learned here Get the young people on TV if they're ready for it. And Nathan Frazier's obviously ready for it. That's a top-down problem as well, because it's not like there's those young people, well, not they're all aware of anyway, with influence in writers' rooms or in creative meetings yeah. within AEW. It's like the wrestlers at this point are the best chance at these young people getting a voice out there that young people can actually connect with. I find it fat, like, it's not MJF's the first is, one. I don't know, and I'm 37, but you yeah. make a great point about the writers' room. Like, there's there's so many voices at this point. Like, triple, imagine, like, Triple H is, what, like, 30 years younger than Vince McMahon, but up until six to eight weeks ago... It was a 77-year-old or something. What, what, what was his age? He got it wrong by a year, didn't he? 77-year-old, <laughs> whatever he was, in that room that was still in the most powerful chair. Below him would have been, like, in terms of wrestling power seats, would have been Tony Khan, who's probably about our age, is he? Like 36, 37, something like that. There is nobody of these wrestlers' ages. They're the ones that could be guiding the writers or guiding the creative people to sort of say, well, they're not going to get that, but they might get this, and a writer or a creative head would have no clue of it. This age thing, and it wasn't just MJF was the first one to suffer this. I think it might have been Roxanne Perez, maybe. But somebody recently made a comment about 
WWE's rule about ages and how like 17, 18, and 19 is too young. I can understand 17 and 18, especially because you can't even drink in America, for example. Seemingly being too young to have them on the road every week and making towns. But if they're like, a prodigy, then use them while they're a prodigy. You're only prodigious for so long mm. before you yourself pick up injuries or you're, you're not as passionate for it. I'm not, this is not some sort of call for like a Nick Wayne-like figure to just be thrust out in front of the cameras while he's like his body and his musculature is still developing and he could sustain significant injuries. But a Nathan Frazier certainly feels like an example. And an MJF of five years ago, I mean, you only need to look at him in the Finn Balor get-up, see, well, like, he feels and looks ready, and if he was, as from that tough enough video, as charismatic as he was then, mm -hmm. that was there to develop in an effective developmental of somebody that age. It's a bizarre rule, and it again speaks to the old heads at the top that I don't even think they're doing it consciously. No. I think it's a subconscious thumb on the foreheads because if they knew the benefits... They wouldn't, they would let them go. I think the whole point, just to bring this one to a conclusion, at least from my end, is that AEW, the general business philosophy or creative philosophy was the last 20 years have been wasted on yeah. big time American TV. Let's go back to what worked, unscripted promos, factions, all the rest of it, the format that WCW Nitro had in its heyday, right? With the idea being that there's lots of lapsed millennial fans who could theoretically watch in strong enough number to make this a viable alternative. That, in fact, has happened, and it was great for us. But ultimately, it does need an, a, a new injection of ideas. I'm not the person to give them those. 37 years old, like I'm aging out of that demo. There's enough wrestling for us knackered isn't there? <laughs> like, there's plenty out there for us. As much as I don't want to admit it, I'm far closer to 49 than I am 18. <laughs> that terrifies me, but I think it should terrify... Because I'm, I'm your prototypical average nerdy wrestling fan, right? You don't need to be chasing me. Mm. You need to be chasing younger yeah, people. Yeah. And with MGF and Nathan Fraser and a younger injection of talent, that is how you do it. So they are dropping the ball with MGF, but I think both companies are dropping the ball in general. Yeah, and there we have it. That is how WWE's Demon... Became AEW's devil, uh, but maybe we should be grateful that he did do that because yeah. I'm not sure if we get the MJF we have now had he gone through, what was it, five years of the performance? Thanks, Dazza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed in the comments section below uh, or on Twitter at WhatCultureWW, where you can also find all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. But for now, this has been Get the Table. My thanks... To the Dadly Boys, thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to <laughs> pretend that I don't right Hold now. it in, hold on. And our current faves. And Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier, on Marketing Against a Grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are takes from us. 
marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts.